All right. We are live and ready to go here on the Book of Faces. Book of Faces. Book of Faces. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Operation Gray Area podcast. We're back after a, a small break. <laughs> um, you know, life. Life gets in the way. Life, life happens, and you have to, uh, you have to adjust. Um, so we're, we're back, and we're ready to go, and hopefully we can knock out uh, a little more regularly like we were in the beginning there as things are slowing down a little bit for all of us. So um, welcome back, John. Tim, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm I'm ready to kind of get this out there, see if we can't uh, get our fan base back and yeah, have them the, excited. Uh, I, you know, I, I as we've always said, we appreciate the people that listen to that, and I, I think they can understand right now it's a crazy time for everyone. Uh, shortages everywhere, and you kind of got to work 10 times as hard for the stuff that you you know you normally had to and uh, i mean you know, like we always say hey life happens so uh last two three weeks life has definitely been happening <laughs> yes yes but we're here we are we're back and ready to go um so i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what i covered in a previous podcast i'm a part of as well so you know that i'm part of the the beards and bros podcast and last night we actually covered equality now we you know in true beards and bros fashion we kind of got off topic sometimes you know pulled other things into it but um you know you and i were talking right before we started this and we're going to kind of keep that train rolling with the operation gray area podcast because i think you and i may have some different views on it Right. But we all might have some similarities as well. And we'll kind of talk so about it and did, see how it goes. Did you kind of veer off like how deer was spot maybe get as much grass uh, for <laughs> hunting season than deer without spots? Or? We made the mistake of starting to talk sports. And, oh, and then it was pretty much no. over at that point. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> yep. There it went. Right. Uh, and we're not going to bring up the last dealer's game. Uh, it made me hey we won but uh my god i I literally wanted to call the police because i thought they were trying to kill me you know yeah (laughs) yeah i uh my heart still well you know i i had an actually interesting event that happened uh not long ago with a family member in that um and uh, anyone that knows me knows that my family does have high-rated people uh not just like you know not like oh my cousin's married to a black person or and they're like legit like blood family there is biracial in our family uh which is great because uh thanks to all the different backgrounds and stuff i get to keep up on all the good music so um <laughs> <laughs> what it is uh but i hear a lot in the news about equality social equality and stuff like that equality with women equality with minorities and stuff like that and it, it this specific event really got me uh, thinking uh one of the one of the family members uh, a very young family member um i want to try and keep that as vague as possible uh i love our family um was posting photos this person was posting photos and they were uh the one photo they posted they're like they're doing the however the with the trigger finger thing whatever it was and uh i said something uh, you know, I said something about it. I, you know, I, I, I mentioned about, hey, listen, you know, you are an intelligent young person. Uh, you're an extremely brilliant mind. Um, why paint yourself in this light uh, that you're doing? It's, I, I think with all the tragedies that's been go, 
going on. Even though I'm a very staunch gun rights person, uh, I, I, I do admit that there has been a lot of tragic events that have gone on that has involved firearms and that. Um, and I, I think, sadly, when you look at what goes on with youth and that, when youth Baltimore, I think Philadelphia just got rated uh, the, the most violent city out there. I think their, their murder rate passed, uh, passed Detroit and passed Baltimore and uh, passed a couple other places. Yeah, I thought Chicago ran ran that uh, <laughs> No, that uh, Philadelphia, according yeah. to the news today, uh, uh, I say that loosely, uh, apparently Philadelphia now wears that crown. Mm. Uh, but I said, you know, don't, don't make yourself that, paint yourself in that light to make you less, you know, you don't want people to associate you with being that type of person. Why paint yourself that way? And the response was, well, everyone already thinks I'm that way. And it's like, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, you're, you're, you're barely into your teens. That's not true. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it made me think a lot because um, I do have a, a very broad background of friends and that uh you know i hate to be uh, the white guy that says yeah i got black, black friends or i got gay friends, friends. uh <laughs> well i do um and you can say it's cliche all you want but the fact i do and i and i enjoy having conversations with them and listening to concerns that they from their background from the way they have to they I don't, it's sad to say half to live it. They end up living. Uh, I enjoy getting to hear, you know, listening to their concerns and that because it, it kind of broadens my view of the way I get to look at things and that. Um, but it really kind of bothered me. So that's what I want to start with is, uh, you know, I want to start with equality this time, but I want to work our way back into the home mm-hmm. uh, at that age, the, the youth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I get definitely understand what you're saying. I'm not obviously as familiar with the situation as you are. I don't know the the young person's background and what, you know, what they're involved in, but. Oh, he's a great kid. Yeah. Super intelligent. Yeah. Amazing young person. I think, I think sometimes kids get caught up in something and they think they're right. being cool or funny or, you know, they're going to, they're going to get, especially nowadays, like if I do this, I'm going to go viral, you know? <laughs> um, and that's unfortunate because that with social media, playing a role in that it can make things look worse than probably what they are right however you do have a choice as a person and you know there there were things i was i was looking at like um we always say you're you can be guilty by association mm-hmm. so you know you're out with some friends and uh, one of your friends does something stupid maybe they commit a maybe even a bad crime uh, you know they shot with a bit of a six pack beer it all happens because yeah. teenagers, well, we do stupid stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but now we know there's cameras everywhere. Uh, and the first thing they do is they get these photos and not realizing whether this person's underage or not. Because let's face it, a lot of teenagers, you can't tell if they're 18 or not. Mm-hmm. So until they've been identified, they're like, hey, you know these people? Um, and then, of course, someone identifies them and then say, you know, this young person, you know, gets identified and they go back and they look at their social media because that's everybody puts everything on social media. They, that's part of an investigation when they see these photos that are like that. Uh, I hate to say it, but impressions, first impressions are everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you see photos like this being taken, that's the light you 
presented yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, I wish we didn't judge each other, but hey, I think it's a basic human trait that unfortunately it's, it's, you have to make a conscious choice to change how you're doing that. But no matter what, even if I, I'm sitting here and I will say to you, you know, Hey, I'm a good person, but if I'm out in public, I'm walking past somebody and they don't maybe fit a certain mold. I don't, I don't judge in the fact that I wouldn't have a conversation with that person, but my immediate reaction to them, if they're not dressed you know, is, you know, if they're a little sloppy, if they're dirty, if they're whatever, I'm immediately like, Oh, like what the heck? Should hold you know? my wallet yeah, right. You know, something like that. Yeah. And that's, unfortunate. <laughs> that's okay. You can say it. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it's just, I think how the human mind works. And I think sometimes we don't, we don't credit that enough, or I wouldn't even say credit. We don't blame that enough. Uh, we blame other things immediately, right. but you know, as human beings, it's happened forever. I mean, how, I mean, think about wars and, just how things happen. I mean, look, think about medieval times oh when you just walk down the street and be like, I didn't like why that person looked at me and shiv them, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, it's just human beings are, we're almost too smart for our own good. And oh, we're, it's, yeah, it's terrible. Right. Um, so I, I guess where I want to start with is we're going to start up in the adult age and stuff like that. Your thoughts on, we're going to start with the prison system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all know, um, and this is something <laughs> I happen to have a, a good grasp on. <clears throat> I retired from the Department of Corrections. Um, do you think there is an? What's your thoughts on the equality of enforcement with laws? I kind of left that open for. A <laughs> The quality of enforcement of law. So are we saying, you know, if the difference between me being pulled over and a black person being pulled over, is there a difference in how they are treated? Is that what, is that kind of what you're talking about or? Um, no, I was going to say, do you think more people get arrested, more black people get arrested for marijuana than white? people? Something like that. You know what I mean? Like a law is a law. Uh, and, and we can go with that. Too. Uh, no, I'm, um, so if we're talking like specifically like arrests for that kind of thing, do I think that I, I would have to say yes, only because that's kind of what I feel is fed to me through, okay. through maybe the news or through certain statistics and, or, or maybe I just haven't done enough. Well, you know, let me, let me ask you this. So if I said today there was 200 black men, arrested for narcotics mm-hmm. and for those 200 black men arrested for narcotics only 20 white men were arrested for narcotics 10 percent of the 200 well, yeah 200 10 was uh yeah 200 men arrested 180 of them were black men 20 of them were white men would you say that's equal would you say that's fair I would say it's maybe a product of the area that these people live in. You know, police okay. are going to probably go to a more urban kind of area that's maybe, you know, down on its luck kind of thing. Like, okay. And so if you're talking like uh, some of the inner city Philadelphia, some of the right sides of Baltimore. Uh, they're most likely not coming to this neighborhood though you know there could be people here dealing and that i don't know of but they're probably not coming here 
because right. you know why would we go there it's super quiet and, well, and you know it's just I, a bunch I, of white people but <laughs> I, I always use the, the phrase you know because I, I hear, hear that, that a lot well there's there's an imbalance of black males arrested for drugs and there is of white men mm-hmm. and i've always said unfortunately look at the demographics the areas where drug, drug problems is and i'm not saying that the areas have drug problems primarily because they are inhabited by uh, people of color persons of color mm-hmm. it's dead uh black, black people mm-hmm. say it, whatever um i think it's because uh Unfortunately, and, and I'll even as a conservative, I'll say this through time, um, it was kind of set up to where the environments for ghettos, um, and we're not talking about like the ghettos that the Jews had to endure during World War II under Hitler, uh, but the, the ghettos of the United States were predominantly inhabited by Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look back in the times of, uh, you know, in the the, the, the 40s and the 50s were black people weren't they weren't slaves but they predominantly were well as they made the movie about it, the help uh they lived in those ghetto type areas mm-hmm. uh, and i think a lot of times where you have ghetto type areas regardless of color background the you have desperation you have emotional distress and people seek out ways to cope with that they mm-hmm. habits, whether it be marijuana, crack, cocaine. Um, look at the robbery, crack. you know. <laughs> right. Uh, look at the look at the cocaine, uh, crack, cocaine boom uh, in the in the eighties of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I agree with you in that sense because I, I think I kind of came to that conclusion. I think the argument then lies in the past you know, people will draw from the past and say, well, most, most black people, people of minorities, not just black people, but Hispanic, black, you know, people that were not the same as, as most whites, because, you know, at one point, I mean, we still, I think we still are the majority here, but it's, it's getting closer to be more equal with minority. But, you know, at one point that's, we were a majority of white people and, people were not comfortable with African-Americans or Hispanics or, you know, Arabic or Asian individuals right. living in their neighborhood because of what I, fear. Yeah, And I and, think vice versa too. I, I think you had every once in a while, uh, a couple here and there may have moved into those areas and they're like, Hey, I don't feel comfortable here with these people. Yeah. Uh, like, like you said, you know, an Asian person moves in, they're like, holy hell, I'm surrounded by whitey everywhere. Uh, they don't act like I do. They don't sound like I do. Yeah. They're staring at me. Well, you're kind of staring at us, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're staring at each other like we're, we're both aliens. And I, I agree. I think there's definitely a level of discomfort back then because from that. Right. Um, I think what the issue then lies in is that so i'm 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 going to throw this out there because i did this i said this yesterday um a couple different times and i i was it just kind of came into my head and and it seemed to go off well it was just a quote that i made unfortunately most people when they 
when they encounter something they don't understand or don't um, relate with, there is a innate, and I don't want to say it's always a fear, but a way they get defensive and in, in maybe just want to see things their own way. And they are quick to criticize and I would go, I'd go with fear. Yeah. I'd so, go with fear. Fear's fair. Right. So they're, um, they're, they're quick to criticize. Right. Right. And what I said yesterday was we need to turn, we need to take that criticism and turn it into curiosity. People and it's a two-way street because we have to be able to ask questions to things that we, to people that maybe we don't understand their culture. And those people also need to be open to answering those questions. Cause often I've seen it where they're like, I shouldn't have to explain myself and they're right. But if they also want to be more understood and accepted, then we need to have those conversations so that we can understand right. it more. And, and like, so they can understand us more. Right. Right. Like, I don't think you, have to explain yourself no one has to explain right but i want i want to share your culture as much as i want you to share my culture and that can't be done unless there's that willingness to have that that good open conversation uh you know like uh, you know, i i know the answer to this because i grew up down south the uh but you know someone might say hey you know why are you guys like uh you know, collard greens and, and, and chitlins the way you do and then they might say i don't know why you like mayonnaise the way you do uh and i only brought that up because uh i had a i had an inmate come to me one time i swear to god i, I almost died laughing i was in tears laughing he came up to me and he said officer whedon he said i got an honest question i gotta ask you please don't be offended and i was like oh this is gonna be great if it starts like that it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> he said, man, I got to ask you, he goes, why do all white people smell like mayonnaise and white and wet dog? And I was like, I don't know. I said, why do all you smell like fried chicken and cocoa butter? And he's like, that's messed up, man. But you know what? It was either, either person on either side of the fence can look at those two comments and say, oh my God, those are both offensive. Yeah. Oh my God, those are both offensive. But we both, like, even as I was an officer, and he was an inmate. We both got a good chuckle out of it. It right. was a good way to break the ice. It was, it neither caught, I knew he wasn't saying to me to be ignorant or out of malice and that. Yeah. I mean, the guy had a, you couldn't ask for a bigger grin on this guy's face when he asked me. But it was nice because it actually did open up a conversation of our different backgrounds, mm-hmm. cultures, you know. You know, he explained to me sometimes, and, and there's things I, I thought I knew, but I, I didn't know as much as I thought I did know. Like, he explained to me, like, as far as skin care goes and hair care products and uh, different items in that. And uh, I explained to him about wearing doctors and clothes. It was a good conversation because there was a curiosity. He came to me. As a joke that turned into curiosity, yeah, and it, and it evolved into a really good conversation mm-hmm. amongst officer and And I think, um, I think that's the biggest issue is that there's just not enough of those conversations happening. Whether they be, whether they get started because of a funny comment and in passing, whatever that situation might be, but also in general, they're just there's so much misunderstanding from both sides, and then. 
you know, I, I, I've seen a lot where I don't remember who was an actor, I believe that said, you know, you shouldn't have to ask me why it's hard to be black. And I mean, I think I know the, the, the big reasons like of what's, what's out there in the world, but I think everybody also has a different experience with it too. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, I I firm like and this is where we may differ. I firmly believe that an African American will have it harder um, in certain places uh, than than I would. Um, where if I went into like if they come into a white neighborhood, they're going to be looked at and like, why is this person here? Where it's almost the same if I go to a black neighborhood. So it's it's a give and take. But you know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm actually. We're actually going to have a moment here where we're going to have to disagree. Yeah. A couple episodes. We hit a moment where we have Finally. to disagree. Um, and here's why. Um, black, not black, white people have this, there's this big movement now amongst white people to be the sympathetic crusaders of something they're not. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you got, the, I call them the Ken and Karen. You got the, the white people that they they their their claim is I'm I'm superiorly intelligent. I that's a word. That's not really. A word. <laughs> I, I made it superiorly. I make up words all the time, John. Right. Sorry. <laughs> They're superfluous. Um, that they feel based off their education, beliefs, and views that. On that, they're, they need to crusade for what they would consider the less just, the, the side that isn't justified against. Um, so I think when you, now, there are some areas, downtown Bedford, you're probably going to catch some eyebrows. Uh, sorry, you're in Bedford and you're listening? Not sorry. Um, but I, I think you you move into the, you know some of the suburbs around here. I think a black person going into the white community would be it would actually almost be uncomfortable for a black person by the amount of white people being overly nice, overly cautious, uh, overly wanting to try and help them fit in when in reality they just want they just want to move in and be like everyone else and just live in their house because they are like they are like everyone else. They're human. They, they bought a house. They, they did what all humans do. They bought a house in an area they want to live in, and they just want to live their life. And I think being a black person in a white neighborhood, you're going to have an extreme amount of white people. And I, not that way if being a white guy and I moved into a certain area in Baltimore, you know, uh, because if there's one thing I admire about black culture is – They're not ashamed. They're not scared to speak up. Mm-hmm. What bothers them, and they don't feel that need. They have that. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me and my family, and you do you. Uh, where it's not the same as the other way. I, I think, like any anything, there's gonna be those types of people, no, no matter what culture you're in. But there yeah. will be the people that are, have open arms to yeah. situations of like, hey, I want to know. And, and to what you were saying before about like, 
so let's say this neighborhood is primarily white. I don't think I have seen any families of color here. Uh, um, abundant wet dog and manny. Right. <laughs> yes. So if someone came in and you know moved in across the street and and they were you know a black family, um, I would say here you might get a strange mix. I think you're right. You're going to have those people that are like, Oh my God, you're, you know, it's something new. And I want to go talk to these people and, and like pull out the welcome mat and make you're them feel get... overly welcome. It yep. is a weird switch to where probably 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been like that. It would have been, been, you'd have heard all the doors lock as the right. person drove down. The road. Exactly. Where now they're bringing casseroles over with too much mayonnaise right. in it. And <laughs> yeah. And, and they're like, you white people. Just yes. Season anything. But there's um, probably a bunch of people here too that would be locking their doors. There, there's going to be a yeah. handful that are definitely bigger, but I don't think they're going to be ignorant to them. Yeah, they're, I mean they're going to talk some shit. They're going to they're they're going to run their mouth, you know, behind closed doors. Absolutely, their doors locked. Absolutely. But like you said, 20, 30 years ago, it's not going to be like it used to. Be. Right. Uh, which and it shouldn't even be like the way it is now. It shouldn't be like, hey, listen, you don't agree with you, you don't, whatever. Yeah. Do you? Do you live your life? It's, it's switched. It's gone from I'm uncomfortable because I feel like everybody hates me to I'm uncomfortable because I feel like everybody's catering to me now. Right. I'm going too far with it. Right. <laughs> now, I've, now I really feel out of place because instead of treating me like everyone else, you're once again treating me like I'm different, but in a weird, different way. Right. So right. Bromwin's listening. And I just wanted to read some of the comments um, when we were. I can't see no comment. Yeah, sorry, it's on She's the Facebook thing. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Love you, Bronwyn. She had said in <clears throat> when we were talking about like people having these conversations. Yeah. She feels that people of color have tried to have these conversations, okay. but then white people say, "But, but, but." I kind of disagree in that sense, but I'm also I'm disagreeing because I'm not like that. I'm very much. There's Penny. Penny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very much, you know, in that sense of like, you know, oh, you want to, you want to talk? Let's talk. Cause I'm curious. I want right. to know how well, can I help you feel more comfortable? How can I feel more comfortable? And, you know, I'm not seeing or hearing as much from that side of what she's talking about. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um, I'm just not seeing it. You know what? And I, I get where Braun wants coming from. Uh, and here, here's what saddens me. Um, Penny, baby. Um, guys, I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> Penny is in a mood this evening. Apparently, her hormones are up. And okay, baby. There you go. Uh, and yeah, she's like all on this. Um, <laughs> I, I understand where Braun was coming from, though, because sadly, whenever people want to have this conversation, they want to make it political, right? It, it's all got to be political. I, it, and, it, and it's not. This has nothing to do with politics. This has nothing to do with conservative. This has nothing to do with Republican. This has to do with us being better people and kind of starting to really start to learn to appreciate each other mm -hmm. uh, as people and to respect the fact that we have different backgrounds. But I understand what she's saying about it. Usually when you want to have this conversation, someone always wants to be justify how they feel instead of opening their ears and listening they want to justify how they feel with a uh, a statistical fact 
and they want to use a statistical fact often that justifies what their political belief is in ways that they've been attacked before. And I wish people would get past that. Like, I understand. I've had conversations where I've had this exact conversation. And immediately, someone wants to attack me, and they want to make a point. And it's like, oh, well, of the Jim Crow and of the 1870s and the statistically this. And I'm like, it's no, it's I don't want to talk about, like, listen, we had a real crappy history in the beginning. We had a real crappy history in the 1900s. Hey, we had a real crappy history in the 1970s. I don't deny that. I want to focus on today. I, I, I want us to kind of, I don't want to forget the hurt that was done, but I want us to kind of bed the hurt and, like you said, have a good conversation and not, but, 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 like Ronwin said, it does happen. Well, you feel this way, but, and it's like there is no but. You feel this way. Okay, I respect that. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, I personally, here, here's the thing about me, and I, I'm, this is hopefully doesn't come off too horrible, but no, in, I know, in, <laughs> in my head, I feel like there needs to be some kind of like place we can go to sit down, break bread, talk shit out, and it has to be on a regular basis. Here's my problem. I feel that way. Unfortunately, I am not doing anything to make it happen. And I think some of our indifferences about it, where, you know, you might feel a different way than I do when it, we, it comes to, especially when it comes to, uh, to race and equality, I, I feel like I can advocate for it, but I'm not advocating enough for it at times. Like I, how, how do I well, get better at here's, going? Here's in? my, uh, here, here's one thing. I, I hate the word advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I really, really do. Um, my wife and I have had this conversation many, many times. I remember when she was getting her degree in psychology, there was actually a thing they touched down, uh, touched on. I, uh, please don't ask me to remember the exact class or what exactly it was, but, it was the actual talk about how white people tend to advocate for people other than white people, and it tends to be out of uh, their own guilt of class, almost. Uh, You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, and it's like, uh, you know, like someone says, well, I don't, you know, think black people are really doing that poorly. And then someone wants to come out and left it, and they're like, ah! mm. and it's, uh, and it's, it's something like they're actually studying in psychology now because it's, they, you know, I'm not even going to call it. Because there's a whole other field that, that they, they talk about in that, that political arena. Yeah. You're not, no, no. Penny. <laughs> My gosh, it's got to be my deodorant. <laughs> got her hot and bothered. Uh, but it, it is, I, I don't want to say advocate. I don't want to advocate for anyone. Um, uh, you know, you, you, like I often say, you know, you know, I, I'm a veteran advocate or something like that. I don't want to advocate for race because I don't want to look. If, I have, if I'm saying I have to advocate for race, then I'm 
then I'm saying I'm looking at another race that's different than me. Um, and the only difference between me and another race is a much better tan than I do. Um, other than that, I mean, you got white people that has curly hair, that's great hair. You got black people that have different hair. You know what I mean? You got melatonin. You got white people. You got it. We're but at the end of the day, to advocate, you would have to say that they almost have a defect, and they don't. Um, so I, I want us to work together. Uh, appreciate each other uh yeah i i am on the same page as that how however i also feel a little bit on the other side of that where you're right there's nothing wrong with them however because of the past they have been made to feel like something is wrong and different with them and i think that's where that that's where it's coming from like they they're they're i'm i'm they're not using it as an excuse. They're just saying like, Hey, for forever. Like, so for instance, me growing up as a kid, I was never the skinny kid. So people got on me about being chubby or fat or whatever. And I thinned out a little in high school, but I was still had a little, you know, baby fat or whatever. Yeah. And throughout my life, I've just been this guy. Like I've been a bigger guy and it is what it is. Right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But not everybody feels that way. You know, I don't fit a certain mold. Like it's, it's, it's unlikely that I'm going to end up with someone who is super thin and pretty and whatever, because they want somebody that's similar to their body type. And I'm not saying that it matters, but I'm saying it's, uh, it's, it's less likely for me to find someone like that than it would be if I were in shape and, you know, you could see all my abs and that they're not all with this Kevlar that I have currently. Um, <laughs> Did you say Kevlar? Yes. Um, but, you know, like it, it made me feel that way. And for a long time, I just kind of felt like, okay, I'm just a fat kid. That's it. And that's who I am. And maybe I could have made a change at some point to make myself different, but because it was ingrained in me from other people saying it and making fun of me and things like that, I just, that's what it was. And it wasn't family or friends kind of doing you that. Place it in yourself. Right. And like, I, well, this is me. This is it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's somebody okay. else's fault because I can, I can make those changes. I can either choose to, to be like, screw you. I don't care. I can not, I don't have to be fat here. I am. I'm going to go not be fat anymore. Or, you know, maybe go talk to somebody and help them get me through that point. Right. But we're talking about a whole people, a whole race of people. Well, that and that's like, actually you know, something I wanted to, I wanted to touch real quick is we keep using the word they. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to think I'm just, we are grouping, <clears throat> putting a group of people in the same boat. And the, the biggest reason is, is I have between, like I said, uh, biracial family, uh, you know, biracial friends, friends uh i got i got uh, a buddy of mine where to god we joke back and forth is uh he, he tells me i could light up the night uh, <laughs> uh, if i was naked from my paleness and i tell him he's plurful uh but i've spoken i i have quite a few that they they actually when you bring up the the, the top the racism with them they're like what are you talking about they're like listen anytime i've ever been pulled over i've earned being pulled over i've never been given a ticket i didn't deserve i've never had an issue 
I've never had an issue getting a job I wanted to get. I've never been treated differently. I, I keep hearing this about inequality, racism stuff and that, and I just I just don't see it. Uh, and that's from them. Um, so when I say they, I don't want anyone to think that uh, we are putting a group of people in the same boat and it applies to everyone equally. Um, I fully admit if you go to some areas and I have seen it myself in my own eyes, um, you got to figure, um, I wasn't around for the LA riots, but I am a history buff. Um, uh, you got to do the LA riots. That is what triggered, uh, police reform. Uh, when that, that happened around there, um, Rodney King is Rodney King. Yeah. Yep. Rodney King was one of them. <clears throat> there was uh, there was there was a couple other incidents that, that really uh, from early on triggered uh, reform that. But I have, as a recent, I have been to a few areas uh, where listen, you're you're a person of color, you got it rough. Uh, got it rough. <clears throat> And it's mainly not just because you're black, because because you're black in this area, you're automatically subjugated to that view automatically, which is wrong. It's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Because everywhere you go, you got great people, you got bad people. It is what it is. But unfortunately, because of the area, it you are grouped together. <clears throat> yeah, I you know, I I can't personally say that I have talked with a friend of mine who's who's black. And they've said, oh, I was, you know, I was pulled over in this neighborhood just because I was black. I have not had that conversation. Not saying that it hasn't happened or they haven't felt like it's happened. I mean, I've seen things. I've heard things where people say, <clears throat> I was driving through this neighborhood and I got pulled over. I wasn't speeding. I didn't run a stop sign, whatever. I just got pulled over and they were like, you know, license and registration. And they're trying to figure out why, why, why what, what, you know. Now, if I'm driving through a black neighborhood, most likely I'm not going to get pulled over. Um, because the police probably are going to get looking. this white boy and ask. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that. I guess. But um, actually, had that happen to me in Vegas once. Yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, we, uh, me and a buddy of mine, was on the Vegas Strip, and we decided we wanted to see what that area offered more than just gambling. The yeah. Strip. And, and we, we got, got a few walks off the road, and it was late night. Actually, the police officer And I was like, "Hey, you." Guys aren't around here, or I can tell the white you say, like, dude, you're about a few shades <laughs> And he, he told us that he goes, Follow me, I'm gonna change the way back. You need to get back to strip and don't walk strip. And I was like, dude, really? Uh, and I actually had to have to be in Oakland, California once. I wanted to go out somewhere, it was my birthday. And I asked the lady, I said, I'm gonna go out for a few drinks, where's some local boards I can go to? And that she flat, she flat told me it was a black lady, God bless her. She goes, um, sorry, you're 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 the wrong color to be walking around with the seat. Mm -hmm. I've heard that Oakland is is pretty tough. It's a pretty tough area. Brutal. Yeah. Which, I don't get nervous as a guy who's been to Iraq and some funky places. Yeah. Oakland made me a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and it, what's odd is that it's like across the bay, across the, the San Francisco Bridge to San Francisco, which no, is completely different. But <laughs> not, I mean, now that we've discussed that, we do have not necessary unfairness and enforcement of crime that we actually 
unfortunately have areas that are more crime prone more than likely due to drug issues that are driven by a poverty issue mm -hmm. which unfortunately predominantly tends to be uh minority-based communities um now what i want to get into with that is the education system in these schools what's your thought on that with um minority areas in the education systems uh, compared to areas that are i don't want to say white because there's some really poor white schools but maybe middle upper class upper middle class um that tends to be more lighter more mayonnaise <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. um, I, that, I, think. I wish I could remember his name. Mm. The, uh, what's, what's your, your thoughts on that? So I think that inner cities in general will have a harder time getting funding for things than a place like, like Altoona, for instance. We have a brand new high school here, right. it's huge and you know state-of-the-art um <clears throat> if you went to an inner city school in pittsburgh you probably aren't seeing the same kind of school because the the money is not there um <clears throat> now is that because they don't want to put money into something that they think is it's not going to benefit them um or is it because of a you know i, I don't I, I really don't know what the reasoning for it is do I think that it's because they're primarily black kids in that school? I, I don't know. No, there's I actually there's I'm, I'm going to have to say I'm not. I really don't know. Now that you said that, it, I had my gears going and then you said that and it put a break on them. Uh, Ron, one, if you're still listening, uh, I'm sure you can you can get with uh, the super sluice and figure this one out. Um, if you look at an area like Altoona, Altoona built a school, it was tax-based revenue that they, they, they saved up money in that and then they, they foolishly blew a ton of it on this school that could have been done a heck of a lot. But nonetheless, they took money uh, from tax revenue uh, and they built the school and, um, you know, obviously I think they took one out stuff like that, but nonetheless, it's still tax revenue-based. And if you look at a place like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has fathomly <clears throat> way more tax revenue um, as a city mm -hmm. than what Altoona does now. Yes. But with that being said, why is it that with such a larger tax base, you think it is they do not apply more of that money to the schools in the same area like Altoona has to improve those schools. <clears throat> I don't know if I know the answer to that question. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's if it's a you know if they're just being evil or if they <laughs> or and if there's some reason for evil. it. I just said there has to be someone somewhere. He said, hey, little Altoona just built a 
$30 million score. Uh-huh. It was something like it was some astronomical number. And if Little Altoona can build a $30 million school, why can't Pittsburgh take an extra 50, 60 million across the the, the, the school districts uh, <laughs> and divide it out to improve the school? Because mm-hmm. um, I that would not only help not only just minority-based, it would help all the kids there. Uh, I I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is when you're in an impoverished area there and you're in a minority-based area, it's not just minorities that suffer. Um, You know, they're they're, 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 they're the handful of Hellmans in there (laughs) that's going to school that they suffer right along and it's just not in the same amount. Right, right. you know, yeah, and you know, something that I thought about while we were talking is um, a place like Pittsburgh where, you know, there's the suburbs that are outside of it. You go to Fox Chapel, their high school is amazing. You know, it, that's a really nice area. You know, we're, you know, South Hills, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's all, those are really nice areas. And then you talk about your inner city schools. And, you know, I remember because I lived there at the time when we were going through this thing about, you know, are the pirates going to move because they didn't want to buy a new stadium. They wanted the city, the the city to pay to have PNC park built um, at least part of it, you know, like a, a partial amount or whatever. And then, you know, same thing with the Steelers, because if three rivers were coming down, the, <clears throat> they were both going to need a place to play. Right. So yes, the Steelers bring in, you know, for, in eight nine games a year now you're bringing in money because they sell out it's great jobs whatever i understand maybe why there's a stadium there pnc park on the other hand as beautiful as it is their ownership craps all over that team and doesn't do anything with it doesn't spend the money they should for them to be competitive and the city paid all this tax money all these people that pay into these taxes to build these stadiums but then you go down the street to a, a school, and I remember on the south side, there was a school that got closed. It's no longer open, and it was old. They didn't put any money in that school. They put all their money into, you know, the stadium, and, and right. you know, all that money went in that direction. Now, I'm not saying – I mean, I don't know how they break all that out. You know, are there different well, accounts for – One of the things know? that bothers me when, when they do that, and I, I just – because my wife hates me for it, but I, 98% of – I watch is either Smithsonian Channel, National Geographic <laughs> Channel, History Channel, or Geo Wild. Um, every once in a while, Jeopardy. Uh, and that's my wife really likes Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did see that they, when they build these stadiums, they, they run these, these deals where they say, hey, if you build a stadium here, we will fund X amount of dollars. But then are kind of almost tax exempt for X amount of years. Um, and as much as I hate taxes, um, being the staunch conservative I am, I don't think that's right. I, I don't think that allowing them to build like PNC Park and give them those massive tax breaks, then where they can say, okay, we will give you so much in tax revenue to build the park, but the percentage of sales have to come back to the 
community you're in and tax revenue uh, to support things like school funding and stuff like that. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just unfortunate because it, I don't know if it happens. You know what I mean? Like I remember before I left Pittsburgh, there were a lot of schools being shut down and they were a lot of inner city schools and they were combining them. Now that could have been just out of convenience or saying, okay, why do we have six different schools and only this many kids go to these schools? And then, you know, we can fit this many into here. Why don't we just close that one, push these kids over here? That could be part of it, but I don't, I don't see them making improvements either. Like, I mean, they could have at this point, but <clears throat> when I was there, I don't remember those kind of things happening. Now, obviously I didn't have a kid in school there either. So who knows, but I feel like to kind of get back to our original question that inner city schools get shafted. And I don't know if it's because of a, if it's a black thing or not, could it be possibly, I guess, but honestly, I, I think I, the minorities suffer the most. Yes. Uh, because of that's where they're at. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not because of who they are. It's just because of where they live because of, of cost of living might be different. Um, their communities are there. So they want to be more in their communities, which is kind of something we already discussed is that you feel more comfortable around maybe the same kind of people. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't know if that's the reason, but I think it kind of falls along that same line of like you live in an, in, in the inner city an impoverished area. So we're not going to put as much money into it here because why we're going to make something super pretty. So a bunch of kids can come and spray paint it or, you know, <laughs> things like that, because those are the kind of bad things that happen no matter right. where you're at, whoever, I mean, look, there's plenty of neighborhoods in Altoona that aren't, that are white and they are, you know, maybe not the best kind of people and they don't take care of their neighborhoods. It, now, you know, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Uh, Cause you, my, my, my brain's been going about the us wanting to have a curiosity to learn about other culture outside of our own. Mm -hmm. Do you think, and I have a very limited basis on this, uh, as far as experience, what I've gotten to witness with my own, my own eyes and ears and, and discussions and that. Do you think that a minority based community, as much as you and I want to be open being having a curiosity to learn more about that do you really think that they may have that curiosity do you think that's a a mutually shared <laughs> desire i think that there are certain people that will feel that way in both communities. I think that you're going to have people like us and that, that are similar where they want yeah. to know more. <clears throat> Do I think it's a majority? No. And I don't know if it's because, uh, because I don't want to know more about white people. It's just like, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't affect my day to day. So why do I need to know more about that? I, I agree. I, I have no doubt as, as much as, you know, like we say about, you know, the curiosity to learn about other cultures and stuff like that. I, I, I don't foresee a minority, very many mi people that are minority based out there going, you know what? I sure would like to learn more about them. <laughs> um, 
you know what, of my friends of that, that I have that are from those communities and that, I just don't see it. Like, we love hanging out with each other. We enjoy, you know, we, we go out, we have beers together. We play Xbox online together. I got a buddy of mine. He comes up from Florida all the time. Um, I was like, I gotta get a hold of uh, Jay. Jay's a good dude. Uh, Jay Woodrow. Um, probably the only, probably the only black guy that I have a, Yeah. Like I said, I don't I don't disagree with you, but I think that there is a certain part of the population. And I think sometimes this is just maybe the the leader in me, because I've been in in my jobs, I've been in leadership positions. You have to lead by example. So it it might be upon us to say, hey, look, I'm going to change that perception and just say, hey, you know, so and so let's let's get together and tell me some of the experiences you've had. And, and let me tell you some of the experiences I've had, because mine have not always been great. I remember I lived in Jersey. I was, I was the only, I was the other white kid in my neighborhood and (laughs) same with me down in Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. So like, you know, I lived there, I had friends with all different, you know, nationalities, whatever, you know, and it was great. Um, I moved away. And then right before, well, I moved to Bedford, Pennsylvania, which, culture shock from coming from Jersey because <clears throat> oh, I was, I became a majority of people because it was pretty much all white people, except for a few minorities, a few black people. There were a few, um, uh, you know, a few other minorities that were kind of sprinkled throughout, but it was, you know, obviously more white. And then I remember going back to visit my old neighborhood and I met up with my friend Barry and we went to the park that we always went to and we're, we're on the swings and we're talking and, these four kids roll up on their bikes and they're like, who's this kid? You know? And I'm like, Oh, I used to live in this neighborhood. And he goes, you don't live here now. And at that point, the other kid that used to live there, they moved out and they jumped me. They jumped me in my old neighborhood with one of my best friends from that neighborhood. And they jumped me. And uh, luckily I got a good punch in and then ran my butt off <laughs> to get to my aunt and uncle's house. who still lived in that neighborhood, uh, but they didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bloody nose and all. I mean, I, you know, I made a mistake maybe of making fun of the kids, new kids on the block pin. It was just like the size of a, a, you know, huge peanut butter jar lid. And I just was like, you like the new kids on the block? I was like, who, what dude likes the new kids on the block? 
apparently the wrong thing to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and the two kids that were behind him, they were like twice his size. They were probably my size at the age of 12. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and, you know, I'm six feet tall and, and you know, right. blah, blah, blah pounds. But <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I just remember like, oh, my God, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight in my old neighborhood where all my old friends live. And like Barry couldn't do anything because he would have been, he lived there. Yeah, he lived there. So they were going to come after him next. And I don't blame him. Then I just took off running. It was the last time I ever saw Barry. Cause I never went back to that neighborhood, <laughs> like, you know, so I'll send you a letter, Barry. <clears throat> yeah. So there are, there are shared experiences in that sense of like, Hey, you know, I have been on the opposite end of that. And I think part of the, part of the thing that we, we need to understand in order to help get through some of this stuff is that we need to know that things have happened to people and it doesn't necessarily mean they deserve it to happen to them. And I think that's absolutely that's where we 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 kind absolutely. of miss that. Yeah, absolute atrocities have happened to good, great, honest, innocent people. Right. It has. Um, my son and I was just talking about this the uh, yesterday. We were at the shop, and that was kind of one of the discussions they were talking about in American history right now. And, uh, you know, they, they said, they were, he's like, oh, my God, Dad, he goes, every classroom, I swear to God, he goes, it's all about black people. I said, what do you mean? He goes, American history, we're talking about slaves. He goes, and we go to debate class, because he's taking a college debate class. And he goes, at the he goes, I swear to God, he goes, it's 10 times more than it was when during Black History Month. And he goes, when I, I swear to God, we get to math class, we talk about multiplying. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, careful, Daniel. Um, <laughs> The, uh, but I, I even asked them though, I said, well, Daniel, I said, did they bring up about, uh, I said, they, they were talking about black slaves and that, and I said, well, did anyone discuss about Irish slaves? Did anyone discuss about, you know, Scottish slaves? Uh, did anyone talk about slaves that were sold from black people to black people in Africa and that? And he's like, nope. And he's like, it was just the terrible mean white devil that did it in America. Well, in all fairness, it is more on American history. Mm-hmm. So, get that part. Listen, I said, don't forget that that was an absolute atrocious practice that had been going on for millennia prior mm-hmm. to the United States being the United States. It doesn't make it okay that it happened in the United States. It, yeah. it is equally a tragedy, and you should learn about it. But don't think that it has only ever happened to one group of people. Yeah. Um, I think what people get upset about, the things that are being taught in schools, and it's like, we need to know history. And I think what they're trying to do is give you the the big events. You know, we don't hear about the Scottish slaves because we're not in Scotland. It didn't happen here. So it's not something we're really learning about. Not saying it's not worth learning about, but in a high school level, is it is it worth the time? If you're getting into college and you're going into a, you know, a history degree or whatever your study is, I you know yes, I, I can see I that. Think but. It, I think <clears throat> it is important. I said because when you when you speak, it's funny because when I said about the Irish slaves, and he says, "Well, Dad, someone tried to actually debate and argue that that's a myth." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Like, absolutely not a myth. Um, and the earth is flat. <laughs> I, right? Um, I think it's very, very important, um, even in history, that, you know, that we not only talk about the, the slave trade that 
happened with the black people. But, I mean, to, to know that it happened with uh, the Asian people, like the Chinese, the Chinese uh, slave trade, uh, the, the slave trade that happened with the, the, the Scottish and that, the Irish, they, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, hell, back in the day, if you weren't a Catholic, you were either murdered or you were turned into a slave. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> Look at Egypt. Egypt, the Egyptian slaves. Mm -hmm. and that, uh, I mean, you know, with the Jewish people, mm -hmm. that, I mean, you're going way back to biblical times. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, that, you know, but it's been around forever. That's but, kind of the point is. But the fact is, it is, I think it's important, even if you don't go into a whole lot of depth, but at least acknowledge that it has happened through the, the times of human beings to at least acknowledge that none of us is perfect. Mm -hmm. That this is an this is atrocious. No matter how you cut it, no matter who it happens, it's not okay. Um, and I don't ever want someone to think that it lessens or taken away. I don't want someone to say, "Well, you're just trying to take away from black slavery in, in the United States." I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, that was absolutely horrible time uh, in American history. Uh, and I'm very thankful that that was abolished. Um, but one of the things I always refer back, and I remember I was watching an interview with Morgan Freeman, and they'd asked him what his view of was on, was on racism. And then my father died because he said something along the lines of, that's ridiculous. And I was like, what? Because Morgan Freeman, listen, Morgan Freeman, just made, I pray to God I get me. This dude is hands down my hero. This man, he was born and raised down south. He was in the military. He grew up in a time when there was still, you got white mountains over here, you got black mountains over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, segregation was. Segregation was alive yeah. and well. I think it was Alabama <clears throat> grew up in. They still hung black people down there. Mm -hmm. Like, you walked across the street and looked at a white girl funny. Listen, don't go near a hardware store where they're selling rope. The bad stuff was going to happen. Um, he, he said it's absolute silly. He said because one of the biggest things that keeps racism alive is that we keep talking about race. Didn't quite realize. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You and I have talked about this before, Tim. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I thought so hard about it. And you know what? I don't want to say, well, bad things have happened just black people. I want to know our history and talk about the bad things that have happened, but so we can acknowledge that as human beings, we've done absolute horrible things to each other. <laughs> horrible. Uh, but I also want us to get to a point in society to where we begin to not look at each other's race anymore. Uh, to where we don't have to have that curiosity to say, um, you know, well, I want to learn about this people's culture because they're black. Mm -hmm. I say, I want to get it be, to be to where I don't see this person as a black person. I want to say, I met this person at work or the bar, or I had, you know, when I was younger and I had my kids down at the playground playing that, and I got talking to this dad because my kids were driving me crazy and his kids were driving him crazy, and we got to BSing about it and talking about sports. But I want to get to know that person because he's a person. Mm -hmm. And 
And if he happens to have a different cultural background than I do, great. Um, that's kind of where I stand with it. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think that, you know, in a, in a, that's a, it's going to be a while till that happens. Like, I don't know if we'll still be around. <laughs> um, Unfortunately. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's still, there's a lot of wounds that need to heal that are, we're not there yet. Oh, and, and you said it good too, that sometimes the unknown, instead of creating, creating, allowing it to create a curiosity response, it creates a, a defensive kind of hate response. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that will take, I'm, I'm, I'm almost starting to see it in the generations right now. My, My son, son does it. Uh, like if you, if you say something about someone doing something, you, you could say, well, do you think it was because that person was black? And, and he'll straight up tell you he's like that. He goes, honestly, I didn't even give any thoughts about what his race was. Yeah. Uh, so it's already starting. Uh, unfortunately, like humans and like animals, you're going to have the, some animals are just mean, mean creatures. And you're, you're never going to, and you got humans like that. You just got some humans that are just ignorant, ignorant people. Yeah. Um, and you, you're never going to be able to legislate it out. <clears throat> um, and I, like, like I said, when we go back to the topic of equality and stuff like that, until we start, looking at each other equally and loving each other equally and stop separating each other races. I think you're going to have that. So, okay. Let me ask you this though, because it up until probably whenever like the black lives matter stuff started really kind of kick off. I was very much in the same boat as you. I was very much in that same of like, you know what? I don't understand all lives should matter. And I don't, I still to this day don't think that's wrong, but I think I now understand what they're trying to accomplish with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I don't, I mean, we can get into that, but that I feel like is a whole other hour. My question <laughs> is the, you, you know, you kind of said like, I don't want to see someone and say, I'm talking to, or I'm, I, you don't want to see someone for the color that they are, but just the person that they are. Right. Right. I don't disagree with that. However, I have heard other people say like, I, I want to be equal, but I want you to also notice my differences. And I think that's the uniqueness that it makes that person. So I kind of, I kind of get that. Like I want someone to look at me and say, you know, Tim is a good person uh, he deserves this and this and this, and, you know, he, he, whatever, but I also know that he has a uniqueness to him because, you know, yeah, we're for all whatever unique. reason that might be, uh, we're, we're uh, human beings are like snowflakes. Um, <laughs> like actual snowflakes. Yeah, no, no, I know what you meant. <laughs> I know what you meant. <laughs> human beings are like snowflakes. We all are unique. We're we're all different heights. We're all different weights. We're all different like hairs, different shades. Uh, we are uniqueness. Um, and when I look at like if I look at you, Tim, I don't look at you as just a white guy. I look at you as a guy that is joyful, that is happy, that is that that is kind-hearted, concerned for other people, but has a talent for music and 
talent for singing. Um, you know that that's the uniqueness about you. I mm-hmm. I can't I sing dog star cry, <laughs> uh, but it, it, everyone has a uniqueness about it. Yeah. And that's the uniquenesses that I want us to notice about each other. Uh, being a race isn't really, to me, that's not what makes us unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I kind of disagree with that because of the fact that, that it is unique. It is different, right? So depending on where someone lived or were from, they were given a, a different, you know, color of skin to maybe, you know, really, if you break it down to science, you know, black yep. people are, are black people because they the live closer to the equator. Right. A lot of sun. Help them cope with the heat right, and things right. like that. Um, well, when I say you, you're, you're not unique, you're unique. Uh, an African-American genetics as far as skin tone is unique. From a European skin tone, I agree. But at the end of the day, as as humans, just as people, um, to me, a black person is just another person with a good hand. Yeah. That is not to me what makes them unique. Yeah. And I'm, but I also respect the fact that they're asking this. They're saying, look, look, it's okay to say, hey, I'm black. But I also just want to be like everybody else at the same time. Right. And I know it's a contradiction, but I also understand it too. You know, I'm a fat kid, but I'm just like everybody else. I bleed. Right. I, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I understand it. I, I also get a little bit from where others say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. You're saying you want to be accepted, but also look at my differences. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's where that uniqueness comes in is that, you can look at physical traits and also see that, but then also get to know that person on the inside and who they are really as a person, their, their heart, right. their soul of, of who they are. You right. Know? And I think that's what makes us unique. Mm-hmm. It's our heart and soul. Yes. Yeah. That's and I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that's a large part of it as well. You know, it's uh, who you are. You're, you're as a person is, is a far yeah. bigger thing to me than if, what your the color of your skin is. Yeah. If we're going to go off skin tone, then the difference, the difference and uniqueness between, if we're going off skin tone, the difference between me and Michael Jordan is just as unique as the difference between myself and my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is, that girl is paler than milk. <laughs> uh, and I know you can't tell it from the camera and all that, but in the summers, I, I get dark. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, so, I mean, th- that's why I always say, like, I don't want to go off the tone of our skin. Like I get it. We all have different skin tones, but that's not what I want to look at as what makes us unique. I mean, we're already unique in, in that sense is we're all different shades. Yeah. We're all different heights, we're all different weights, we're different hair. Yeah. Is it, is it fair to say then that on both sides from the minority standpoint, from the white standpoint that we just have to kind of come to that understanding that some people like yourself are going to feel like, I, I don't care about your, the color of your skin. I just want to know who you are as a person. Right. But then other people might also say like, yeah, but I want you also to see the color of my skin, but understand that that's not always going to happen. 
do you think that that helps people then become a little bit more accepting of, of everything? Um, I, I think, I think that has to be a mutual two way street. Um, I don't, I'm not offended by someone or bothered by someone that says, listen, I want you to see the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not offended by that, but I would hope that someone would not be offended and appreciate the fact that I can say, I, I understand you are proud of, of your coloration, but I would hope that they would respect the fact that I value and look at them more beyond that mm-hmm. to the point that I, I respect that they're proud of that. That's not one of those things I really am like, okay, Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think back and I'm sure you can relate to this because where you grew up as well. When I was a kid, I recognized the fact that the my friends didn't look like me, but I also didn't think twice about it. We went out and played and shared, you know, ices and ice cream and drinks and candy and, you know, played with each other's toys and play kickball in the alley and discovered crack vials and put ants I, in them you know we- <laughs> i actually had a very a very unique uh, experience when i was growing up uh, again down south i was like one of two or three white kids uh, in my school but i had a really great friend growing up and i i remember his dad was biracial and his mom, yeah, his dad was biracial. His mom was black, but she was a very light skin tone. And I, and I'm sure we went down through the genetics and the DNA and all that stuff that could explain why. Mm-hmm. He had the very soft, curly type African American hair. Mm-hmm. But I was like eight shades darker than he was. <laughs> uh, and I, we, that, that was kind of nice for us because he identified as being black. Okay, cool. Um, everyone knew that my family was, aside from being French and Indian, which that doesn't count. Uh, and I've been told this many a times. Oh, you're, you're French and Indian. You're white. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm like, all right. Well, no, 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 no. Your mom's Irish and white. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So my, my dad was mostly French and Indian uh, for the most part. My mom was a Satterfield. She, she's pure mayonnaise. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a joke about it because in the summertime, um, I was quite a few shades darker than he was, and uh, he used to actually get mad about it. He'd be like, "This is messed up." Now I'm a black man, and I always, I always laughed about it because he's eight years old and referred to himself as a black man. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, stop. But, uh, but he used to always get mad and say, "Dude, I'm a black man, but you're a white guy darker than me." And I was like, "I don't know. Don't test somewhere. I don't know." Uh, but it made it very 
nice between uh you know learning because i think back about that it wasn't about our skin color mm-hmm. like you said we didn't think about it there were some times he was technically black and i was darker than he was so mm-hmm. when it came down to it skin was just skin yeah i don't and like i i don't obviously as time goes on you you are sometimes forced to see things in a different light uh and you know you still have the choice to make on whether it's going to affect how you interact with with other people regardless of race or whatever it might be so i don't know it's um i I, you know i really didn't see notice a whole heck of a lot about race once i moved up here Mm -hmm. i actually had to ask i was like where where they're all white here where's all the black people where where's the people out there white and they're like yeah we we used to have one of those i was like what do you mean used to have (laughs) hold on a minute but But even then i was like it's just the area that i really never gave much thought about race and that honestly until i started working for the department of corrections and when i started working for the department of corrections unfortunately uh the 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 jails are predominantly uh filled with criminals from inner cities uh you know uh altoona philadelphia pittsburgh uh counties of philadelphia Mm -hmm. um johnstown um every once in a while you know some white guys from trailer parks uh that you know well they're in there for domestic abuse because that's what white dudes in trailer parks do their wives sorry i'm sorry um but when i i started seeing behaviors and stuff in there from some of those cities that i really never got to spend time in uh, just the way some of those guys treated me, even though I tried to treat them with an extended respect, even though they were inmates, I was still a firm believer, like, hey, I got to be in these walls with you. I don't want my day to be a constant fight eight hours a day, day in, day out. Um, but even at then, I there was a lot of things that were, were said and stuff. I used to give guys hell all the time because they... I remember my first week there, one guy, he kept yelling, uh, he kept yelling the word nigga. And I said, it with an A. The, uh, but he kept yelling, he kept yelling, he kept yelling. And I, I called him over and I'm like, yo, come here. I was like, you can't say that. I'm calling my homie over there. And I'm like, I don't care. That ain't right. And he goes, what do you mean you tell me I can't say that? That ain't right. And he looked at me, he, like, he went on a barrage of calling me every ignorant white I was like, there was words I didn't even know existed. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I don't appreciate that word. I was like, I don't care if you're saying it with the A, I don't care if you're saying it with the R, I don't care if it's a term of endearment, I don't care if you're saying it to be ignorant or derogative. I was like, I don't care. And I actually told the guy, I was like, if you scream that word again across here, I said, I'm putting you in handcuffs. Put me in handcuffs and I'm throwing you in a hole. And the guys could, and it was in that moment, I got like, crash course and the 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 inner city the way that side that i've never seen and knew before mm-hmm. it was it was it was it was pretty wild um and, and it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit honestly it did uh because it made me a little bitter it made me when i saw like if we were out in sheets and i saw a guy 
whether it be a black guy or a white guy, and his pants weren't fitting, and his butt crack was hanging out, and his pants were hanging out with his little with his little flat ball cap kicked to the side and all that. I'm like, dude, I was like, that one's up to no good. Yeah. But it didn't matter what color it was. It was just like, dude, you're, you're dressed like a little slappy. Mm. No good. Uh, it unfortunately wasn't until I worked for quite a few years in the Department of Corrections that I saw a lot of that, that I... I personally started to grow with was uh, an animosity uh, in, in that certain type of culture that I actually, one of the things I decided when I got to the point where I could retire, I was like, I've got to get out of this environment because it's so toxic. Yeah. And it's making me feel a way I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was biting away from that because it, it just, it really just showed the ugliness that could be going on. And it was with white people, black people, all of them, but it was mainly a concentration of what goes on in these inner cities. Yeah. So, I, you know, we could probably wrap it up at this point. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, let me ask you, what do you think the next step is to start moving in the right direction, to, to make people see that maybe it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is, or that here's what we need to do so that everyone feels more comfortable in these situations. You know, honestly, what people need to do for real, and this was the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly. You can teach it all day long. I've gotten in debates lots of times with people that I said, well, I went to college for this, and in my college class, my professor taught, yeah, that's great. Um, the best thing that we ever happen for human civilization get out of your bubble mm-hmm. get out of your bubble travel you live in podunk but mm-hmm. uh, you live somewhere take a, take a trip other than the beach take a road trip next time you're going somewhere Next time, like you say, hey, I want to go to Florida for vacation, don't fly. Don't just go to the airport, fly. Skip over all of what's out of your bubble until you hit your destination to go sit your rear end on the beach and drink my highs. Drive down. Drive down. Get out of your bubble and see the world of it. See what's outside of your bubble. Get it. Get see the other cities. Go. You drive from here. Think of all the Amazing places you hit on the way down. You hit the Carolinas, you hit Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you got Stone Mountain down there. Make hit stops. I, I think that's where we have truly failed as a society anymore. We always shoot for the fastest way to get from A to B. And we miss so much of our American culture that's in between. If you make a point to get out, Get out of your bubble a little bit. Put yourself in situations to see other people that are not you. And when you see people that are in situations other than not you, and you're sitting down, and you're having lunch, having dinner, you're hearing conversation. You get a chance to join in a conversation. You start to get a little taste of that culture outside of your own world. You know what I mean? I think. That's, that's the beginning. beginning. Other, Other than that, 
It's it's not. I I, I can't even begin to start. Because you can't teach it. You you can teach it, but I can read blacksmithing of the 1600s in a book all I want. That I'm never I'm never really going to know anything about blacksmithing. I can understand the theory of it when I read books, unless I go out physically set up a kiln and start smacking steel and that or whatever it is and hang out of I'm never going to know anything about it. So you can read about the book until so you get out physically experience and the only way you do that is get out of your bubble, get out of your comfort zone. Go meet people. Go meet people that's not your immediate area. I mean, with an open, open heart and open mind. Yeah. Just go and join culture. Go join America. It doesn't have to be every week but just once a year or something. Get out. Enjoy something that's not what you're used to every day. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good start. And I, I I get what you're saying. You know, you need to you need to be present in a moment sometimes to really get, you know, what someone else is talking about or a different culture or whatever it might be. I I tell people all the time, I've gotten I've been God blessed me being able to travel through 46 different states. Uh 46 states, I've been to Mexico, I've been to Kuwait, I've been to Iraq, I've been to Germany. Um, I'm telling you, people miss. There's such a, a, a just a beautiful culture out out there that to enjoy the and embrace the, the, the diversity. Mm-hmm. But you, you you can't really appreciate it and get over that fear and start creating that curiosity that you said about. Yeah, get out to it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm on the I'm on the same in the same boat, I think, with a lot of what you're talking about. I also think that uh a lot of this starts in the home. It absolutely it does. Yeah. Absolutely. I am I am so tired of hypocritical parents. And I hear it all the time. You'll hear them talking about treating. Treat these people with respect and treat, you know, they, they try and tell their kids this, but then in the same breath, I hear them, they, they turn around and they'll throw the N word out there, they'll, they'll throw other derogatory words out there, whether it be the Latino people or Jewish people, whatever, you know, Italian people, like you hear them all the time, they think they're being cute, they're being funny, and I'm like, you're not, you're being a hypocrite. It absolutely isn't. Kids to be good people, giving them an example to be. You've got to be a good person by example. Got to be. You can't teach them one thing and turn around and say and do another. Right. Yeah, it, it's going to start in the home. It's going to be tough conversations with people that maybe you didn't have conversations with before yeah. to kind of learn a little bit about what they may have gone through and, and how they feel. And, and we can't be afraid to say our opinion on it. And that's, that's you know, <laughs> things like this are open for debate prove me wrong if if i'm wrong because i want to know them because then if i'm wrong then i will definitely be on your side with it you know and and by, yeah absolutely by all means hey, i don't mind being wrong my wife tells me i'm wrong at least once a day <laughs> uh, and i don't know if she's right or wrong but damn it she said i'm wrong so i'm wrong yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's what I, I just think that those kind of things need to happen to get us moving in the right direction, um, getting out and seeing the world, like you said. And, you know, I think that in time things will hear, I think the the generations that are coming 
as as messed up as they may be a little bit here and there, there's a lot of good that's there that I think we're Absolutely. missing because we're focused on the things that aren't maybe as good. And Absolutely. they're going to change the world. And, yeah. um, you know, it may not be, maybe it's not our kids. Maybe it's our kids, kids, or our kids, 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 but you know, it's good. It's good. It's hopefully it moves in the right direction. Right. And, you know, before we wrap this up, I, I want to stress to people, if you're listening out there, um, none of us are perfect. Absolutely. None of us are perfect. We have a right to have emotions. We have a right to be happy. We have a right to be upset. Uh, and every emotion in between. We live too much with malice and an anger in our hearts. I, I, I see it in conversations you have with politics, different views and beliefs and stuff like that. We, we live with such a strong desire for our opinion to be right. And we burn the world down to make some, to, 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 to make our opinion Ours, ours is right, and that's wrong. Um, let let go of some of the hate in your hearts. Let go of that desire to, to, to have your opinion be correct and to have someone acknowledge your opinion correct. Start to, to find a sense of, of happiness about you, a sense of calm about you, Zen, whatever you want to call it. Start to embrace that. Other people are going to have different opinions than you. And start to embrace the ability to have a conversation with someone other than your own opinions, but don't do it with an emotional response. Do it with an appreciation of that they do have a different opinion. Yeah. And whether you agree with it or not, respect that at least someone has an opinion that you can talk with about it. And if you, if you, don't agree with them, that's fine. If you agree with them, that's great. But stop carrying so much hate in your hearts. Everyone has so much hate in their hearts. Mm-hmm. That it's got to start. That's where it's got to start. The, the sure amount of hate and anger people keep in their hearts. Uh, I've, I've watched towns burn for it. I've watched families break up over it. I've watched friendships burn for it. Uh, it just, over just, just pure hate in people. Mm-hmm. Unability to talk with each other. That's where it's got to start right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that as well. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I think that we, we did pretty well, you know, we got our, our opinions out there. I don't yeah. think we, we hurt each other's feelings at all. Um, yeah. We, we did have some differences, which, uh, yeah. you know, that's good. I think that's, that's the good. point that's of this. Great. Um, and I, I think to reiterate the point of this podcast is that you can show that, John and I have different opinions on a couple things, yes. but we're going to walk out of here. We're still going to be friends. We're still going to talk. We're still going to hang. You know, it, it's not changing how I feel about him as a person. I understand right. that he looks at something differently than I do. And that's okay. He's allowed to do that as well as I am. The point is, is that how do we then come together and make that compromise to figure out what's the best thing moving forward. Right. And that's kind of why I asked that question. <laughs> what's next, you know? So, and you know, if, if you've been, uh, whether you're white, black, purple, green, brown, whatever, um, if you feel that you've been unfairly treated in a scenario, or you feel you've been unequally treated in a scenario, and you're comfortable with it, share it with us. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to hear yes. the story. Uh, 
whether you know, you know, you're white and you feel this way, or you're black and you feel this way, or you're an immigrant and you feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear your story in that. And if there's, you have been treated in a certain way, uh, and you, what would make you feel would help you? Like, what would so what if you could say something about it? What would you say that would make like better yeah i agree and you can do that either on the operation gray area podcast facebook page or the group or you can just reach out to john and i you can uh, message us either through those groups or personally if you know us message yeah, us you can private message yeah if it's yeah if it's something you want to put out there it's a story you want to put out there uh, but you want to share it, maybe maybe it's something that happened that you're like man it's something that's been really weighing on my soul and I want to get it out there, but I don't want to put it out there in public, but I do want to share it. By all means, you can private messages to us, talk to us about it. I promise you, uh, you, you'll never be judged for whatever you say. I respect everyone's opinion they have, and it'll always be kept private uh, if you do elect to share it that way. Yes, 100%. Um, and I, you know, just want to leave with because I'm super proud of myself for coming up with it. <laughs> uh, turn your criticism into curiosity, and I think we can really start making a big difference there. Dude, that's a bummer. Yeah, I'm telling that's you, it's a t-shirt, God. right? That's a t-shirt. <laughs> that's where I know we're going to wipe in the space, making a hat. Right. Face. I feel like I need to contact who cross colors. You remember cross colors? Yeah. I used to have those very inspirational shirts, and I, I'm, I'm going to reach out and be like, "Look, we got to come back." Right. And here's your here's your next thing. Uh, <laughs> Let go, of criticism, find your curiosity. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. Um, yep. You know, we appreciate everybody tuning in that was able to. If you're watching this, share it. Share it on your pages. Talk about us. Get us out there. Um, we'll be a little more regular now. We're it's like we're taking men useful. Uh, so, you know, you'll you'll see and hear from us on a more regular basis. And um, you know, we're excited to talk more and get more content out there. And you know, you can catch us on all the places that you listen to: Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon. There, we're out there, so we're we're not hard to find. Um, and if you're listening to them that way, share them as well, uh, because that's the best way for us to get notoriety, to kind of get this uh, this kicking and rolling. I think we're, you know, John and I really enjoy doing it. So yeah. if we can get more people to listen, interact, we appreciate Bromwin talking to us earlier. Thank you. Yeah, Bromwin. that was awesome. Thank you, Bromwin. Yeah. Um, you know, so if we can get more of that interaction, that would be great. But um, uh, John, anything else before we wrap it all up? No, sir. Everyone have a safe night. Love you guys. Yeah. Thanks everybody again for listening. And, uh, you know, Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be sometime next week. We'll get it out there. I'll be try a little bit uh, better to inform everyone <laughs> that it's coming. Um, I know sometimes I'm forgetting, and it's like surprise podcast. Oh uh, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. We'll get better. We'll get better. It just takes time. So, uh, thanks again for listening to the Operation Gray Area Podcast. Um, on behalf of John and myself, Tim, have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Later, guys.